Welcome inside the Locked On Senators podcast brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code Locked On, and you'll get $10 off your first order. The boys are still buzzing after the Ottawa Senators secured not one, but two picks in the top five of the 2020 draft. I'll ask Brandon Piller where he thinks the Sens should go with that pick and at number five as well. Then we'll continue on with our Sens Central draft rankings. It's number seven the top defenseman in the draft. Then we'll also discuss some of the best and worst of Canada Day's past in the nation's capital, where free agent frenzy often avoids the Senators organization. All that and more. This is the Locked On Senators podcast, where we've got your team every day. Today is Monday, June 29th. My name is Ross Levitan. You're listening to the Locked On Senators podcast. And Brandon, two-show week because the boys have been on a tear. You know, we've been covering at Send Central on Twitter everything you need to know about the draft lottery, and we're just getting started in our countdown because how solid is it, Pillar, that we're at number seven today and any of these two seven will be Ottawa Senators? Absolutely, and... The top seven is just filthy. So to to know that the worst we could have picked was five and six and we're getting three and five is absolutely amazing. And a lot of people, I, I hate everything that I'm reading online about people being like, wow, Sens fans should be mad. Sens fans lost the lottery. Not at all. I mean, when you're looking at it, sure, they did have the best chances to get a pick inside the top three. But they still got that pick at number three. And we talked about it on last episode. That pick at three is so pivotal because it still is going to allow them to pick a number one centerman, whichever one of Stutzla and Byfield that the LA Kings don't get. So I think really the fact that they got the number three is the victory. And we're going with that because what's the point of whining? You can't change it. So let's push ahead. Three and five. Love it. I like how the mystery team got one in a sense, just from the fact that that is going to be Lafreniere. If the mystery team got two and Ottawa was drafting three, or maybe not two, because that seems like it's it's where the draft starts. But if that mystery team, say, was three and Ottawa was four or five, then you'd have to, it wouldn't be as clear cut knowing which way a team goes. Now, Brandon and I joined Sarah, we'll retweet it from the Send Central account, Sarah from the Locked on Kings podcast, and She's she's pretty clear cut that it's it's Byfield right at number two maybe Stutzla but Pierre Dorian actually agreed with that and when after we recorded the uh, the initial reaction I didn't want to hear anything from anyone we just wanted to go in cold just with our raw emotion after the draft lottery went but listening to Pierre Dorian talk with Elliot Friedman and Jeff Merrick um, you know you could just sense he is so relieved he's so happy that the order is set and the best nugget I think we got out of him was the second tier is two players. I think that all but confirms what everyone, most draft rankings have. That's Byfield and Stutzla in a league of their own. Then he said, Pillar, that the next category is 3-10. to 10. How much you want to bet that he extended it from 3-8, to eight, which what we kind of have? Because Jake Sanderson is 100% in the Sens top 10. I wouldn't doubt it. I mean, uh, definitely Sanderson's been linked with the Sens. That's the kind of guy that uh, they could definitely use. But, like, this top 10, really... That third tier that you're talking about that Dorian mentioned is so interchangeable depending on teams, uh, prospect pools, depending on how teams scout guys, uh, and depending on um, whether teams are going to be going for positional players or best player available. So 
the fact that there's no hockey on, but this is one of the most compelling NHL drafts, I think, in my lifetime at least, uh, makes it at least a bit uh, a bit satisfying knowing that we're going to get to cover this and go over what we think is going to happen a million times. And it seems almost every day a new little nugget or report comes out that switches a prospect from uh, one ranking to another. So it's exciting, but it's also a little crazy just getting into all this. And we don't even know when the draft is going to be, but... We love it, and we're here for it. More draft talk all day on the Locked On Senators podcast. Yeah, and you won't just have to hear our voices. We plan on lining up some guests with uh, extensive scouting backgrounds in the industry, so uh, expect for that in the future as well. So there's tons to be excited for, not only the top two picks, which are the headliner, but there's also the second and third act, which is the third first rounder and the four second rounders. So if you want to go back and listen to other episodes, we've been covering our top 50 all the way from 50 and breaking down each player, what they could be at the NHL level and what they can bring to an organization. So there's so much intrigue. And I think we should mix up the order today, Pilsy. I want to get right into the draft rankings, because if the Sens decide to go the route of taking a defenseman with the top pick, maybe fifth. It's going to be Jamie Drysdale, and he comes in at 7 on our Send Central draft rankings. It's his hockey IQ. It's his skating. This guy has all the makings of a minute-munching top-pair defenseman. Absolutely, and I think there's no... Uh, we talked about how kind of uh, prospects' rankings can change from day to day. I don't think there's been much change. Maybe Sanderson has challenged that he's the that Drysdale is the top defenseman in this draft, but I don't think anyone's come out and clear-cut said it. I think Drysdale has been the universally uh, selected top demon of this draft, and this is your modern-day defenseman, like smooth skating, offensive-minded, but where Parley would usually uh, uh, give me the quote of riverboat gambler, I, I wouldn't say Jamie Drysdale is a riverboat gambler. He's a good two-way defender, and you talked about his skating. His skating is what he uses to be a good defenseman defending. Like he tries to beat people to those loose pucks. He tries to get on them quickly and aggressively so that they have to make play with no hesitation. And that often leads to mistakes. So I think what Drysdale does best is plays a good overall game and uses his uh, best attributes, which is skating and hockey IQ to the best of his ability in split decision making and when he's leading the rush is he going to pass is he going to skate you don't know both are deadly yeah and you think a guy like he him would excel in the power play and he did somewhat three goals 19 assists so 22 points with the man advantage but playing on the Erie Otters second worst power play in the entire OHL I can't help but think what if Drysdale had been a 98 birth year instead of 2002 and had the opportunity to play on that eerie power play with Dylan Strom, Alex Dabrinkit, and oh yeah, Connor McDavid. So from that standpoint, it's a bit of a shame that uh, these OHL teams, they go through waves where they get their talent and then they have to rebuild. So much like Quinton Byfield, the first overall pick from the OHL draft, you're going into an organization that really needs a turnaround. And Drysdale's been a part of that. It's a shame maybe that he hasn't been able to do it on the big stage, but then you look at when he was internationally on the biggest stage, nobody even thought that he was going to make the Canadian World Junior Team. There were guys drafted in the first round who got cut because they had to give Drysdale an opportunity. And in international play, when you have the seven defensemen able to dress, you're able to dress a power play quarterback. And that's what initially they kind of had him in, you know, second unit. JBD was actually out on the power play a little bit. He seems more of like a, a guy you want in the last minute of a game when you're when you're up 
a goal rather than uh, a guy like Drysdale who would push offensively a little bit more. But he earned the, the trust from the coaching staff, and you saw it more and more. Drysdale just got more and more comfortable and more minutes as that tournament went on. Absolutely, and he couldn't have picked a better time to turn it on in the spotlight. I mean, I think the reason he's touted as the number one defenseman in this draft is because a lot of eyeballs got turned on to him when he was uh, so successful in the World Juniors. So definitely good on him because, like you said, he was on a struggling Erie Otters team and didn't really get the shine that he should have. But when he did get his chance, he took uh, made the most of it. So you got to love that from Drysdale. And another thing, talking about uh, his power play, what I liked from what I saw from some Drysdale highlights is he's doing something that not a lot of defensemen like to do because it doesn't look flashy. But when he is shooting the puck on net, he's more sending it to the net and hoping that it gets deflected or tipped by a guy in front. And that can come in two results. Either it's great because you get the assist on that uh, tipped puck that goes in, or it can look kind of embarrassing. It kind of looks like you're tossing a muffin uh, up at the net. And if it misses, it, it kind of looks like a waste. But that's his hockey IQ coming into play where he's trying to do t- things differently rather than just wind up and uh, fire a slap shot as hard as he can and hopes it goes in, right? So I think his hockey IQ and his uh, ability to kind of toe the line with his good skating is going to make him a really good uh, quarterback for a power play coming up in the NHL. Yeah, and his shot is not known as being the heaviest or no. hardest, but he can get it off. And as you mentioned, it's accurate where he wants to put it in a perfect spot for a tip. Uses his active stick defensively a lot as well. You mentioned the body positioning to win those 50-50 battles, but he's poking the puck off his stick. And he can transition so quickly from defense to offense. And you love to see it first couple quick strides and he's gone. Um, able to break out on a th- three-on-two or a two-on-one rush. And it's all kind of encompassed in the rankings so what we've done now is we're consolidating the rankings our our five top guys so that's bob mckenzie of course craig button both from tsn then the two guys from the athletic scott wheeler and Corey pronman and then craig robinson who uh, does some work with elite prospects so we're taking those five rankings and then we'll consolidate them into the average so a nice easy divided by five and jamie drysdale he's as high as four on Bob McKenzie's list as low as eight. So he's in that four to eight range, averaging out just at 6.2. So there's a reason why he is by far the top defenseman in the draft, offensively at the very least. You can make the argument that Jake Sanderson, maybe with his grab control, his defensive zone coverage, that sort of thing, maybe if if that's what your team needs or wants, that's how your style is built around, maybe you take him over Drysdale. But if you want a guy who's going to come in, get fans out of their seats, get some excitement into the game. It has to be Drysdale, right? I think so. And But I think the only thing I would say kind of to counter what you just said there about getting fans off their feet and stuff, I don't think he's going to be that flashy defenseman. I think he's going to get a lot of secondary assists from starting the rush, which is going to rack up the point totals. And I think he's going to do just a lot of the little things right. Like you said it, he doesn't have that uh, bomb from the point or he's not a big opposing defenseman that's going to specialize in separating man from the puck. He's going to be a smooth skater. He's going to make good decisions passing the puck and he's going to try to hit his teammates in front of the net for those tip shots on the power play. So I think he's going to do a really good job racking up points, but he may not be as exciting as people hope. He's a right shot defenseman too, which we should mention, probably the most coveted position in hockey. Uh, maybe after the Quinton Byfield-esque six foot four and up center, power center uh, that we see all over the NHL thriving. 
but as a right shot defenseman, a little undersized at five foot 11, 175 pounds. You figure he'll grow into that. Who's a player comparable you'd have for uh, Jamie Drysdale? Anyone come to mind? It's tough to say. Uh, I think off air we were talking uh, a little bit uh, about Jacob Truba as kind of guy that he could reach for and uh, strive to be like. And I think that's a good player comparable. I mean, Truba's a great defenseman. Um, he was a part of that decor in Winnipeg that was just stacked for years to come uh, until he had to find his way to New York. But I think that's a great pick. If you get a guy that ends up similar to Jacob Truba, that's a, that's a guy who's going to play on your top pair for years to come. Yeah, my my guy, and he is a left shot defenseman. We mentioned Drysdale right, but how about a guy like Chris Letang? Just like such an effortless skater, a guy who maybe doesn't have the hardest shot, doesn't score a lot of goals, but always dangerous, especially on the power play, but also with the active stick, good in the defensive zone. I think if he could end up like Chris Letang, whoever picks him, whether it's at three, four, five, six, or seven, you're getting an extremely talented player, and that's... That's exactly what you're hoping to get with those picks in the first uh, first 10, and that's why it's so exciting that the Sens have two. As we keep mentioning, the excitement around those two picks is paramount, so we're going to be discussing that in depth as we go on here on the Locked On Senators podcast. We want to tell you about an initiative that our entire network has here on the Locked On podcast network, and that is our stand against racism and social injustice. That's why we, all the hosts here, are making personal donations to local and national organizations that are fighting for change. So in the month of June, still a couple days left. Get on it. We're donating. They're matching, sorry, our bosses, that is, an additional $10,000 up to. So let's make their pockets a little lighter and you can help. If you just head to LockedOnPodcast.com backslash Black Lives Matter. That's LockedOnPodcast.com backslash Black Lives Matter. Pilsy, I'm so upset we don't have the Tankathon spin to do. But I'm still fired up because I get to talk about Bill Barr on this episode of the Locked On Senators podcast. Fired up to do so. You know it as the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Pillar, I always forget, how many flavors do they have? We got 16 flavors, Ross. Eight and eight, a little split down the middle. Eight with nuts, eight without nuts. And I'm going to give you my favorite flavor of the week coming coming in hot right here. Filthy flavor of the week alert. Let's hear it. You know, when uh, quarantine started, a lot of people, they started uh, getting really into baking bread. That's a fun, nice, calming activity. And you get some fresh bread out of it. How about some banana nut bread, built bar, protein bar? That just sounds unreal for me. So good. Oh, yeah. So if you don't want to make the bread yourself, have a quick built bar and uh, get all the flavor you want. But low calories, high protein, low sugar. And high in fiber. Exactly what you need after a workout and we're getting unreal references from it like brian at puck and bad jokes well bad jokes good takes because he got his built bars at builtbar.com he used the promo code locked on and he got 50 percent off so we He's say ten dollars off too eh? oh man why would you not when you get a deal like that at builtbar.com you have to load up what are you gonna do get one bar no thanks. Get at least 32. Make it worth your while. Put in the promo code locked on. That's builtbar.com. And send us a tweet at Send Central. We'd love to see what your flavor of the week is because Pilsy is fired up about his. Usually, we're all fired up about one of our favorite days of the year, our nation's birthday. Canada Day will be Wednesday. So we decided to look back on not only the anniversary of a major moment in Sens franchise history last year. I think one of the happiest days in in the fans' 
recent memory through all the players that left. Like when you saw that Cody Cece was traded, not only traded, but traded to the Toronto Maple Leafs, you got to see Cece in a Leafs jersey. I mean, is there anything more poetic than that? My first thought when I saw that Cody Cece was traded, I was like, oh, no. What did the Senators have to give up to get some poor team to take him? And then I saw the return. A and poor team is right, though. They <laughs> couldn't even fit a mid-side sedan in their salary cap. Yeah, seriously. But yet they somehow have room for $4.5 million for one of the worst defensemen in the league? I don't know about that. But the return of Connor Brown coming back in that deal was absolutely awesome. And um, you know what? Sure. Zaitsev's deal, it's not great. Is Zaitsev a guy who's worth $4.5 million? No. Okay. Is Cody Cece a guy worth $4.5 million? Oh, no. hell no. Would it have been better for the Senators to do a short-term uh, solution with Cece? Maybe. But you know what? The Senators, they they got to hit that cap floor. So at least you got a couple years with a guy who's making decent money here. It's a coveted right-shot defenseman in Zaitsev. And you know what? Maybe Zaitsev isn't going to be the guy the Leafs wanted him to be when they handed him that contract, but he's going to help out this blue line that's going to be absolutely loaded with young defensive prospects. So at least he can act like a bit of, it's funny to say veteran, because I think he's only been in the league three, four years, but a veteran presence back on that back end. I'm sure Ron Haynes will be back. Ron Hainsey will be back too. He wasn't a part of that not, deal. Because if, if Hainsey's back, I don't know if Boro is. Yeah, well, that's that's the tough thing. But I think DJ Smith really liked Hainsey. I think um, I wanted to talk about this in the deal. I think a big part of this deal, why I think it was a great deal for the Senators, Zaitsev included, is it gave DJ Smith that comfortability of having some guys he knows. And then when Hainsey and Ennis came along as well, I think that helps, especially when you're going from a team that had, uh, you know, a good successful seasons like the Leafs had. We won't get into their playoff success. There is none. Um, going to a rebuilding team that's a rival, that's a lot to put on your shoulder. So to have some guys that you know and you can at least have a rapport with and joke around and uh, stay loose with to start, I think was a big deal for uh, helping DJ Smith in his first NHL coaching job. Yeah, and Connor Brown finishing second on the Ottawa Senators in scoring right behind Brady Kachuk. Meanwhile, if you were wondering, Cody Cece, one goal, eight points. Somehow he was a plus seven, which wow. actually surprised me on the Toronto Maple Leafs, but was the butt of many jokes on Twitter. So I think just for that sake, it was a trade well worthwhile. And then that's not even to mention, Michael Carcone was a part of a pretty important line. He didn't maybe put up as many points as you would have thought in the AHL, but he was anchored on that second line with Jordan Suarez and Alex Formanton. And that was a, a line that, that Troy, Troy Mann really relied on. Uh, throughout hockey games when he needed a, a like big physical shift maybe to get the speed going Carcone's line was going out there so a nice depth pickup there and you're not losing anything the only guy we haven't mentioned in the trade is Aaron Luchuk who actually ended up finding his way back to Belleville later in the season and Ben Harper um, the offensive defenseman how about that when somebody posted on Twitter right after the trade they said Man, Ben Harper loves to jump into the rush, and they showed the highlight of his only goal in 100 NHL games. <laughs> They're like, we're getting an offensive defenseman here. So, Talk about um, cherry-picking stats. Jeez. Yeah, exactly. Hey, can you show me one more? Just show me one more goal, and then I'll believe you. Uh, they could not do that. Which you got to love Harper's size, though, right? you got to love the size. Yeah, you love it almost as much as you love the size of the catalog at Rock Auto. Com. You know it's a family business, and they've been serving auto parts online for over 20 
years. They get it from hundreds of manufacturers. That's why their catalog is so big. And the, the prices are just ridiculous. And they've got everything. They've got your engine control modules. They've got your brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil. And if you have a cat, you might need new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in just a few easy clicks. And guess what? It's directly delivered to your door. The rockauto.com catalog, it's unique, remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts and brands available for your vehicle. Choose the brand, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com, always reliably low and the same, whether it's for professionals or do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now, right now and see all parts available for your car or truck. Make sure you write in Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box. That way they'll know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. That's rockauto.com. All right, we already mentioned the Senators not very busy on July 1st in years past. What comes to mind for me first? How about having a press conference to announce Eric O'Dell, who played for the Binghamton Senators? Having a press conference for that is the biggest waste of everybody's time on Canada Day. I could not believe what I saw, Pillar. Yeah, that is pretty funny. I kind of forgot about that one, to be honest. And uh, you almost feel bad for Odell a little because he's probably like, uh, really? <laughs> because you don't want to put You want me to come down to the rink to sign something or are we going to we're going to chat? Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. Like, no no offense to Adele, but I think he was able to tell that uh, he was not the prized jewel of that free agent uh, class and probably didn't need to be paraded around uh, after that season. Did he stick around for more than one season or it was just the one? Uh, he actually never played a game for the Ottawa Senators. Oh. <laughs> nice. Yeah, he played one year in Binghamton, uh, 37 points in 50 games. And we got to shout him out, too. Ottawa Sting alumni, same uh, same youth hockey organization that I came up with. So why not have a press conference for a local product uh, who now plays for uh, the team in Siberia in the KHL? So, um, no, but that, I thought that was kind of, it was it was cute. It was actually the last season in uh, in North America before heading to the KHL, but... Um, no, no fault of his own, right? He was, it's not like he was signed for more than a two-way contract. Just the fact that you have a, a press conference, I just didn't think it was uh, very much needed. What are some other uh, fun Canada Day sends moments for you? Well, I hope I'm not taking your best Ottawa Senators uh, signing moment of July 1st, but I'm going to go with Sergey Gonchar. I think that was... Uh, it kind of raised some eyebrows because it was a three-year deal to an aging uh, defenseman who a lot of people kind of thought uh, was done after that year in Pittsburgh where he put up monster points. But the key thing, I think, with Gonchar is it gave a veteran presence on that D-line that was much needed, especially with Eric Carlson uh, coming up through the ranks. And he actually did pretty good for the Senators. I mean, 27 points, 37 points, and then 27 points. All, all while being, yeah, in his late 30s. And then after that, I think his career was pretty much done after he went to Dallas and then kind of did a victory lap in Montreal. But I thought that was a good signing at the time. And uh, I, I still loved Gonchar uh, playing for the Sens. So Gonchar is my pick for best Canada Day free agent signing. That's good. Mine, I just looked up and it actually turned out to be on July 6th. And that's why I was shocked when when you didn't say it. But Hasek took a few days to to make yep. up his mind. Uh, which was crazy. Yeah, the, the Gonchar one was pretty fun. Um, how about, I, I've got one, maybe it's not like the best signing ever, but how about Yarko Rutu coming over? And he had just been like the biggest. I almost biggest made that pest. my worst. 
No, but like just the biggest. I'm not saying it's the best. I'm just saying yeah. it's a fun one. Like when I saw Yarko Ruto, I was like, the Sens just got a lot greasier, and uh, you know that was enough for me to be fired up about. Yeah, yeah, you kind of bit off more than you could chew there, eh? Yeah, yeah, to say the least. And um, another good one is in July of the 2006 offseason. This one's probably the best because Joe Corvo came yep. in and was a power was play second. monster. So that turned out, and this is obviously his first stint in Ottawa. The second one didn't go so great. But, um, yeah, Joe Corvo would be um, would be the next one. And you know that Joe Corvo has the single-game franchise record for most points by a defenseman? Five? One goal and four assists. And wow. obviously it was against the Toronto Maple Leafs because those games were never less than four goals. Um, point night for the Ottawa Senators when the, the 2006 Maple Leafs rolled into town. And if you actually want to have some fun, go on Hockey Reference and look up the scores in those two years. I think Danny Heatley had something like, uh, I think they played 16 games in those two years. Yeah, because you played eight per, per ga- team against your division. And he had something like 30 points. Against the the one team, I was like, are you crazy? Um, but yeah, that's Danny Heatley. For, not 30, maybe. I think it was 20, actually. But that's worth looking up. We'll, we'll have an answer for that one on Thursday's show. And make sure you're back on Thursday because we're expecting to have some fun talking the draft with a special guest. We'll leave it at that for you for now. That's Brandon Piller. I'm Ross Levitan. This has been the Locked On Senators podcast where we've got your team every day. <laughs>